say just a toy story or a four in a box. These are the stories of action, toy glory, and work clocking. SH figures, black series are hot toys. And figures with transformation sequences that make noise. Check out the joints and the many points of articulation. We're celebrating the global collector nation. Sit back, relax, and get ready to rock this. Here's the real challenge. Welcome, Welcome to Shelf Conscious. I am Keith Chow. I am joined today by a jack of all trades, one of the most prolific, hardest working man in everything that he does. He's a podcaster. He's a restaurateur, he's a celebrity chef, he, he's a toy collector, and he's going to be running for city council in Lexington, Kentucky this year in 2022. Please welcome to Shelf Conscious, Mr. Dan Wu. Thank you very much. I've never actually gotten to podcast or get asked by anybody about my toys before, so I'm super <laughs> excited. This is the podcast. Well, you were just on my other podcast. I have too many damn podcasts. Southern Fried Asian <laughs> And you saw my background, and you were like, "Holy shit!" Uh huh. Uh huh. And so we we just had to we had to do this. We had to do the the action because who cares about politics and racism and representation? No. It's exactly. all about the little plastic action figures. Exactly. <laughs> so welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, you don't need to show your bona fides, but the thing I noticed when you were last on was that you have a storm shadow tattoo. I do. Yeah. Can you talk a little so before we get into the toys? Can we talk a little bit about the the origin of uh, the body art the, of everyone's favorite uh, Arishikage yeah. ninja? Well, so I was a late bloomer, and I didn't get my first tattoo till I was like thirty seven, thirty nine, something like that. And I started off right though. I started off with the Monkey King, nice uh, Chinese opera version of the Monkey King, and then I went on to this is kind of difficult on Zoom, <laughs> the sort of cartoon version of Monkey King that I grew up reading when I was in a kid in school in China, and then this is sort of the traditional ink version of the Monkey King, and then I got the Gene Yang. Oh, nice <laughs> from uh, American Born Chinese. From American-born Chinese, exactly. So I had my four monkey kings on my upper arm, and then I kind of went away and didn't do much. And then I went and got Storm Shadow, because G.I. Joe was my favorite show growing up. And then alongside him, you got Yojimbo. Oh, nice. I didn't think I noticed that one earlier. So and I'm leaving a little room on the back of my arm for a low pan, but I'm I'm getting to it. Okay, cool. So like the, the, the forearm is just like a hodgepodge. <laughs> the, the, yes. the shoulder is very much a monkey king. Exactly. Yeah. And the rest of it is just honestly just Asian American sort of science fiction or fiction, you know, icons of my childhood and adulthood. Yeah. So you said you were a late bloomer when it comes to getting tats, but being a fan of Storm Shadow, you were clearly not a late bloomer when it comes to <laughs> liking nerd no, no. shit. So what was G.I. You said G.I. Joe was that your like foundational kind of yeah, nerd so thing growing up? I came to the States in 82. So by the time I was, you know, 10, 12, 14 years old, it was the heyday. That was the year of G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe and Transformers. They were always back to back and they were always right after school at like 3 30, 4 o'clock. So I grew up as a latchkey kid. So I came home, made myself some macaroni and, and then put on G.I. Joe and Transformers before I did anything. And those two were just like... I don't know, my afternoon, my companions, my daily companions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They raised you. Yeah, Snake Eyes raised exactly. me. Snake Eyes and Optimus Prime. Yeah, and also back in the day, for a little bit there, they actually ran the original Japanese Robotech series, and they ran all three series. They did Macross, the Invid Invasion, and Masters, I think was the second one. So like that was kind of mind-blowing, too, to see like a whole another level of animation uh, as a kid. It was great. 
So did those cartoons, I mean, you said you were a latchkey kid and, you know, your, your parents are immigrants. Did those cartoons translate into toys at all when you were little? Or did did you get, like, the one figure and then, you know, maybe you had, like, the special occasion, but then adulthood was all about chasing the, the stuff you couldn't have when you were 10, 11 years old? Man, when we when I was a kid, we were we were broke. Like, we had no money for, for toys and stuff. So uh, this is going to reflect badly on me as a future politician. <laughs> I shoplifted as a little kid. Uh, I because you know my if we friend, get the Apple research, listen to the podcast. It's all good. <laughs> exactly. well, yeah, we'll put out a different version. But yeah, we, I didn't really. We didn't really have money for for toys. So a lot of my friends around me had the old school like Star Wars toys. I, I like the Star Wars and the GI Joe because they were the same height, so mm-hmm. you could and intermingle them. I could never afford Transformers because they were always more, more expensive. And also they were just like different sizes. And for some reason as a kid, like I just couldn't buy into the whole different size thing. Like <laughs> why is Bumblebee this big, but then like Megatron is this big. And, like, <laughs> yeah, the handgun is larger than the, uh, yeah, like, the, bubble, the, the, the Volkswagen bug. Well, you know, that's interesting then because what, what did you, what do you consider then like your first foray into like toy collecting? Was that something that you came to as an adult? Well, so as a kid, at some point, my mom wised up to what was happening, that fact that my toy collection was growing, even though they never bought me any. (laughs) And they made me give it all away once they found out what was going on. So I went without for quite a while. And then, you know, in high school, you have high school pursuits like heavy metal and and drawing, tracing pictures of the Punisher, you know. Nice. (laughs) One does. So I didn't really get back into it, I would say, until... Shoot, fairly recently in 2017, when I opened Atomic Ramen, my restaurant here in Lexington, I started, we had this great sort of space along the, the, the it was like an open concept, like uh, counter service, fast casual kind of place. So there was this whole counter line and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get Funko Pops and line them up. And at some point in the shop, I had 70 or 75 Funko Pops. So that's kind of how it started. And then those are all just business expenses. You nice. know? <laughs> I haven't had a desk job in a long time. And I know if I did have a desk job, the whole place would just be lined with all kinds of toys. Absolutely. So for me, like the restaurant was my desk job. So I got to have all those toys. And then when the um, the store closed down, they all came home, as you can see behind me. I've collected a few more since then. And then after that, only in the last couple of years have I really gotten into other toys and so this comes from a friend of mine named Frank X. Walker. He is the former poet laureate of Kentucky, which is what most people know him for as a terrific writer and speaker. He's also a prolific toy collector, and he specifically collects African-American characters mm. in American pop culture, which is, you know, for years there, it was a fairly rare thing. Like, you know, there was Lando, you know what I right. mean? There, were, there was Roadblock. There were a few sort of Black characters in pop culture. So he actually has this really impressive collection that sometimes will travel and exhibit in places. And when I heard about it and when I saw some of his collection, I was like, okay, I want to be like Frank and I want to collect Asian American action figures. Yeah. Not Asian. So not like Japanese anime type stuff like that, but specifically things from American pop culture, like Marvel comics, like Star Wars, like He-Man, things like that but Asian American or Asian American adjacent. Sure. It's a fairly recent phenomenon, but I've been, uh, I've been pretty prolific. (laughs) I was going to say, I mean, that's something that only in the last couple of years, were you even able to inundate, you know, with, with Asian American characters? Cause I like growing up, 
There's maybe Jitsu from Masters of the Universe. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Which which is I show and tell? Yeah, boom! There you go. Boom, oh, Jitsu. is that the vintage one? Because there's a that's the original with the uh, where you nice. He swings around and he's got the big silver chop hand. Yeah, yeah, because that the, they actually re-released that in the Origins line just just recently. Yeah. Uh, so there was Jitsu. I think there was, you know, of course. I mean, for Star Wars, you didn't have an Asian character in Star Wars until Rose, essentially, right? right? Like that was that was only a few years ago. So it, the pickings were slim for Asian characters. But that's what was so awesome about GI Joe from from Jump, like Storm Shadow. You know, Larry Hama being the creator of GI Joe, yeah. being an Asian American. Yeah. And, and and infusing you know like Asian Americanness into into Storm Shadow because you know we've talked about this on this podcast and and Nerds of Color writ large like the thing that you know the TV versions or even the movie versions of, of Storm Shadow always get wrong is that Storm Shadow was never like a foreigner uh-huh. he was a Tommy from Fresno right he right. served in the Vietnam War alongside Stalker and Snake Eyes and yeah. you know that's that's what you know Larry Hama created. It gets warped when it gets translated into other versions, but yeah, he's he was like the first Asian American yeah. character that I remember growing up. And then you had his counterpart, Quick Kick, who just wasn't quite as cool. The guy didn't wear a shirt or shoes <laughs> in the snow. I remember. Yeah, like, how, are you, how are you going into combat like just like in pajamas, basically? And but like, then he I talked kept... like Humphrey Bogart on the cartoon, which was kind of cool, <laughs> right? Which yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, Larry Hama, he was just phenomenal when he, you know, that the toys came first and then the comics came after kind of as an afterthought. And Larry Hama, I believe, was brought on very early on in that process. And he decided, like, I'm not just going to sell toys. I'm going to actually tell some stories here. Yeah. I remember when I was reading the back of the cards of the action figures, I re- you remember Tunnel Rat? Mm-hmm. He was like second or third generation for G.I. Joe. And he was like an explosives ordinance guy. This little short Asian dude with like a little do-rag thing. And I read the back of his card and it said like he was half Japanese, half Korean, grew up in L.A. like the son of grocers. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can tell an Asian American wrote this. And the fact that you can write a character that's not Japanese, not Korean, but Japanese, Korean, American, like thoroughly Asian American, like just having that level of depth, like, I don't think I could think of it in those terms as a kid, but it was right. just like, made me feel seen, you know what I mean? Made me feel like, oh yeah, Tunnel Rat, that's me, Nikki Lee, that's me. 100%, I mean, and that was the, that was the wild thing growing up too, is that like, I had no, I didn't think of myself as Asian American until I was much older. Like, as a kid, you don't think Asian American, right? But you do know you're different, especially like you and I grew up in the South, like we grew up in predominantly non-Asian spaces. So you knew you were different, but you didn't know like about... Asian America, right? Like I was Chinese growing up. It wasn't like, but you knew that if you saw an action figure that looked like you, that had your story, that you related to it for whatever reason. That's why I always was drawn to, like I said, the Storm Shadows, the even Snake Eyes. Like I I used to give Larry grief all the time. Like how come Snake Eyes ended up white? Because like he's the baddest ass ninja and like he doesn't talk and he has no like facial features. He could have been anyone, but when you actually took the mask off, you showed he was white. That was so disappointing. That was why as shitty as the movie was, the Henry Golding movie was so special to me because it was like, I always imagined Snake Eyes was Asian and we finally got an Asian Snake Eyes. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) Close enough, I guess. Close enough, yeah. So Funko Pops, I mean, we see them behind you. That's what kind of like turned on or accelerated your adult toy collecting. What what was the appeal of the Funko Pops? Other than it it would be like a cool decor option for the restaurant. 
Yeah, I think it started off as that. I, I think before the shop opened, I had maybe like 10 Funko Pops, just like random stuff I like. The thing with Funko Pops is you can't escape them. They're ubiquitous. Like you go into Walgreens and they're there. You go into a grocery store and they're there. They have optioned and licensed literally everything. Like l- there's not a show that you've seen that there isn't a figure for somehow. So in some ways, like you just couldn't escape them. I just like, I love the aesthetic of them. I love the big sort of the big head bobble thing. I love sometimes how they've made figures of just like random secondary tertiary <laughs> characters and things, which I, I love that. I also, interestingly, uh, when I was collecting for the shop, I made a very concerted effort not to collect any white male characters because that's like the vast majority of everything, everything. Sure. So at some point, I think of my 75 characters, and actually I might've, it's, this is debatable. There were only two characters that might've been white. One was Boba Fett, and but this is before they kind of retconned him with <laughs> Orson. And the other one was Snake Eyes, who I thought was white, maybe. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we weren't, we weren't hundred percent sure. And every other character were either, they were either aliens or monsters or they were people of color or they were women characters. So I kind of mostly stayed true to that. There are still a few exceptions up there. I think, I don't know if you count David Bowie as the goblin king. <laughs> you know, I, I think alien, I think works for yeah. David Bowie. Yeah. So yeah, sure. some, some people get passes and it's all good. It's all good. I was yeah, about I think- to say too, like I'm, I'm not the biggest Funko pop collector, but to your point about ubiquity, I mean, there's like three behind me too. So like, even though I'm not, a, I don't consider myself a, a fan necessarily of the, of the line. I, I can't escape it either. Like to your point there, they're just so, I think that's what's appealing about them is that whatever you like in any version of pop culture, whether it's a Broadway musical to like yeah. the Golden Girls. Yeah, there's they, literally I, I feel like I, I can't think of many friends who don't at least own one that they got <laughs> as a birthday present because I mean, you know, like I imagine people who watch Duck Dynasty are not necessarily Funko Pop collectors, but there are <laughs> Duck Dynasty Funko Pops and some of those folks probably have one on their shelf. Oh, for sure. Like, I, you know, we have acquaintances who are like big football fans so they have all the football paraphernalia including the Funko Pops right and I was going to say as well like with Funko Pops the thing that I never could wrap my head around is like I don't know if you've ever been to like a a big comic con like San Diego New York but when the Funko booth has their (laughs) exclusives man you just forget about it yeah I'm I've been to a bunch of cons here in Lexington they're actually surprisingly big they're like three-day events at least pre-COVID, but I, I'm, I've never been like a collector chaser. Like I'll see announcements or emails about like hot topic exclusive or target right. exclusive. And it's just like, even if it's a character I want, I was like, I'm not going to go like put in the effort. What I end up doing most often just down the street from me, there's an independent toy store that's been there two years called Toy HQ, but they prefer to be called Toy Vomit. <laughs> they have tons of just action figures of all kinds and about half of the store is like professional wrestling stuff including a lot of just like obscure Japanese wrestling stuff. So I end up just kind of going there. I often will dig through the loose bin because I don't care about the boxes. I don't right. collect, I don't care about like that display thing. I kind of want to, you know, with Funkos, you can't really play with them, but I like, you know, I like having them out. But for me, like having actual action figures. So, and we can talk about uh, the Marvel Legends line, but they're too posable not to play with. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the appeal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm holding up the old school Shang-Chi. Speaking of 
Quick Kick, I mean, this is literally, Quick Kick was 110% ripped off from Shang-Chi, the old Shang-Chi. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what's great about Marvel Legends 2 is that G.I. Joe Classified is the same scale, and you could just get a Shang-Chi and then yeah. modify and it to the, be Quick Kick until they release Quick Kick. Well, and also the the Star Wars Black Collection. They're also yeah. the same. I think they're all I think they're all Hasbro. Hasbro. They're all Hasbro, right. Hasbro is six. I mean, that's Hasbro kind of cornered the market on the six-inch scale action yeah. figure because they have they own marvel legends they own gi joe classified they own i mean they they own transformers right. but they're not they're not in scale to your point the optimus prime should not be the same height as duke <laughs> or snake eyes but, but yeah the, the six inch scales it's my preferred scale and you know i actually came to this revelation recently why so many adult collectors especially love the six inch scale and you know you mentioned it earlier when you were a kid you liked gi joe and star wars because it was three and three quarter or four inch scale mm-hmm. and i think as we grew up our hands got bigger. The six-inch figure in our hands feels very much like the three-inch figures felt when we were little. So that's why, like, I mean, there are, and, and you know, for you three and three-quarter-inch collectors who are listening, right? Like, but I still love the vintage collection. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not dismissing the appeal of the, the three and three-quarter-inch, yeah. but six-inch just feels, you know, we we're, we're double in yeah. height, so like our figure should be as well. <laughs> I, I do remember as an adult one of the first times I picked up one of the old GI Joe figures again, and it felt really tiny and I, <laughs> I couldn't make sense of it at the time i didn't you know i didn't make that connection but i was just like were these always this small and like light and frail looking and you're right it's just like it's that proportionality like these feel right now like to play with and maybe i don't know if people who came up with these figures like you know talk to psychologists and child psychologists and really work this or if it was just an accident of you know whatever sold best but yeah <laughs> You're onto something there. Yeah, that's just a very recent revelation. So it sounds like you are a big fan of the Marvel Legends collection. Is that your? I mean, I know you said your your primary focus right now is just collecting Asian American figures. Like, what is how how many do you have so far? And and like, are there are there Asian American figures that are out there on the market that you haven't gotten around to yet? I say. And they're not all legends figures. I say with the six inch figures, I've got somewhere around maybe forty. All Asian. They're no, uh, not a hundred percent because when you run into an old school panther <laughs> with a spear and a cape with a hood, you can't pass that up. I mean, they just look too cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I've been still trying to collect like mainly characters of color as well. But here we'll run through a few of them. Silver Samurai, classic. Nice. The show and tell portion has begun on Shelf Conscious. Oh, here we go. Kamala Khan. Oh, Ms. Marvel. Nice. Big hands. We got Usagi Yojimbo. Now, does, does Usagi fit into the Asian American characters? I think or? so. I, well, in the sense that uh, he was created by Stan, Stan Sakai. Sakai. Right. There you go. Yeah. Did that Netflix show ever happen? Did I miss it? What happened with that? I don't think it ever. Yeah. I don't recall Usagi Yojimbo ever having. I mean, there was, yeah. there's was there been talk of doing an Usagi Yojimbo show, but yeah, I mean, I most feel- people... Unfortunately, most people think of Usagi Yojimbo as a t- turtles because that's a turtles figure you're holding. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> he's not a turtles character, but uh, he's his own thing. Yeah, those I love those books. Let's see what else I got. I got old school Shang Chi, new school Shang Chi. Nice. Oh yeah, so that's that, the Shang Chi movie. Like you could have knocked out like six. Oh, yeah. Asian yeah. characters just from that. Exactly, and Eternals as well. A whole bunch. Right, of them that's right. As well, so I gotta say, and the, like, and the Snake Eyes movie. I, if you can see behind me, I got uh, Andrew Koji and Henry Golden chilling out right there on the shelf. I gotta say, though, you know, as 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 sort of retrograde and kind of racist as like the old <laughs> Shang Chi is, like the the new Shang Chi figure. I don't know. His he just looks like 
He's like a waiter in a really high end dim sum restaurant. Or not something. not feeling the Shang Chi costume from the movie, to be honest. Really not. And then like the sneakers, and then sort of Simu Lu's like very placid. Face. <laughs> I, I, I do love the Jordans. I think the Jordans yeah. is a nice touch, but uh... I, I do like that. <laughs> no, like the old school Shang Chi. He's like ripped. He's like fierce looking. He's doing his best Bruce Lee look. He's got those pants anyway. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I wasn't. I wasn't thrilled. I hope the, if they change anything in next yeah. future Shang Chi installments, it would be the, at, would be the uh, old school Luke Cage with a nice. big chain around the belt. We got. Let's see what else. Uh, Domino, the Zazie Bates version of Domino, which I really love. <laughs> what I've done. You, you mentioned Eternals. My favorite aspect. Again, talking about blending all of the various Hasbro figures. I got the Donald Glover Lando. Mm-hmm. The Zazie beats Domino and the Baron Tyree Henry oh. Festos. I have <laughs> I three. Like that. I, that, the Lockheed Stanfield needs to do a, a sci-fi movie so we could get the entire Atlanta cast That's as true. Hasbro figures. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Lakeith is long for. Uh, no, I know <laughs> something. The, well, be- you know, I did see. I was actually just in Target today, and they have a figure. It's not a Hasbro figure, but there is a figure of Yasuke, the Black Samurai show from Netflix. That Lakeith oh. voiced, okay. so I've, but but it's not six inch scale. But right, I was right. really very much contemplating so buying it to just put alongside Festos, Lando, and and Domino, just so I could have the entire cast of Atlanta. It'll be one of those when people see it. If you know, you know. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I forget what this series is called, but they did this whole like samurai yeah. show series, which is really super. I think bad it's Bandai. Out. I think Bandai did that. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And these are, let's see, are they six inch? He's about the same height. He's a little like bit. I think there's the Bandai typically runs smaller, but then the yeah. the realization figures, I think, are a little bigger. So they. Uh, he's like, yeah. So like Vader, also Vader is taller than right. average. So he's he's a bit taller. Uh, so these are these are super great. And to me, these Bandai figures in some ways like exemplifies like if you had to have one figure to like talk about what I'm interested in, it's this intersection. And in some ways, like you think about the history of Star Wars and how Vader and the Stormtroopers were based on samurai and based on- I mean, um, the movie itself was just based yeah. on the Kurosawa, right? Yeah, it's based on all the Chambara. So this kind of going back to it is this weird, like snake eating its tail aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, the whole the whole thing about Star Wars Visions, the anime that was on Disney Plus, where they were anime directors- kind of reinterpret Star Wars for themselves. To your point, it's this kind of like, you know, 360 yeah. back to the beginning of, of the of the franchise. One of the other things that we do in this household, my wife is super into creepy dolls, not intentionally creepy dolls, <laughs> just dolls that just end up looking creepy. Sometimes they're discarded dolls where they're, you know, you can tell a four-year-old little girl has cut its hair at some point, it's got the weird like bangs or its eyes have fallen into its head. Those are the creepiest, the eyeless ones. <laughs> and then we've started collecting when we go to like Goodwills or antique stores, we've started collecting like racist trinkets and racist mm. like salt and pepper shakers, things like that, just to kind of like take them out of the world and give them a loving <laughs> home. So sure. This, okay. <laughs> so this one is kind of like an intersection of it. I don't know if you ever watched WWF back in the yeah, day. Yeah, Mr. Fuji. This is Mr. Fuji. So this is like, I don't know what the line this is. This is a big rubbery, unarticulated figure. Mm. But I, I felt like I had to rescue poor Mr. Fuji and his little bowler hat as well. I mean, do you have a display for all of your Asian action figures? So what I have right now, so... I'm in the den of our house and we have a a non-working fireplace. And so what we've been doing is it's kind of the size of a black box theater. And so I've been kind of setting up like action dioramas in there. 
Now, of course, I don't have the little foot stands for these figures. So that lasts about like a minute and then everybody <laughs> collapses and then it's just dominoes. So they're kind of all clustered in there right now. And as you can see, they're all loose. So I'm not super, super concerned about keeping them pristine. Sure. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, at, at the very least, you should have a Instagram dedicated just to the Asian figures, I think. That was... uh, if I had time, Keith. If I had, time. <laughs> I had an intern. Yeah, I was gonna say let's put a let's put a call out on ZipRecruiter for a yeah. action figure assistant for Dan Wu. Exactly. Here's the clown from the biker gang from Akira, which is a really cool find. He's also like way bigger than everybody else, but and he's not super articulated, but it's pretty cool. This one comes with a great story. This is Baze Malbus from Rogue One. I remember seeing the promo photo for for Rogue One like almost a year before it came out. I yeah. remember not around Christmas. And the photo, the group shot of the, the the main cast came out in like earlier that year. And I looked at it and I read the names and I was like, not just one Asian character, two Asian characters? Three. Like, Riz Ahmed too. Uh, Riz Ahmed, sorry. Exactly. Thank you. And I was just like, holy shit. And at the time, I had a mustache and a goatee and long hair. <laughs> and I was like, Baze Malbus cosplay. Speaking of Dan Wu's Instagram, I believe a photo of Dan Wu as Baze Malbus exists yes. on the internet. That 100% was my favorite cosplay because I already, from the neck up, I already had Baze Malbus. <laughs> and I just had to come up with the costume. I was about to say, the neck down is the harder part to come yeah. up with, I feel like. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we had an old flight suit that we spray painted. We got some random plastic things. We modified a Nerf gun. There was a whole lot of styrofoam involved. It was great. and we, I mean, I it's an it. impressive cosplay. Like I said, I've seen yeah. the Instagram. Yeah, thank you. And I wore it to the next Lexington Comic Con, which was three months after that movie came out. So, you know. And Quite I don't popular presence. There were any other Baze Malbuses at that. So, Do you have the uh, Chariot Mway figure to go along with Baze? I do. I do. I have a small complaint about that figure. He's got this big cloak robe thing that prevents his legs from doing anything. <laughs> and, I, and I can't take it off. Right. So he, and like, you, how do you make Donnie Yen like unposable? Yeah. Are you serious? Like he's got this big giant like rubber apron basically that he can't. And that's my complaint with a lot of the Eternals figures too, is they have those little like, yeah, yeah. those little like plasticky flaps. And I think there's some Shang-Chi figures like that as well. I yeah. Think. The Death Dealer, I think, and, and Aquafina, yeah. they, they, yeah. they're not the most posable. Oh, yeah. No, Aquafina's, uh, I hate to say it, my Aquafina character is useless. Like, she, <laughs> she just stands in the back leaning against the wall because she can barely stand. <laughs> and then she's got, like, nothing to do. It's very sad. Going back to what we were saying earlier, like, just the, the amount of options for Asian... If you were to just say, I'm going to collect Asian figures, Asian-American action figures, it's a different proposal in 2022 than it was in, like, 1992. It's way right. more expensive. <laughs> yeah, it was probably easier in 1992 to say. Here's, like I said, you maybe get a shit. Who would who would be right? You get you get a Storm Shadow and you get a Jitsu, and you're pretty much done. Mister Fuji, maybe. But yeah. now you yeah. have. Just think about it, right? Like from Star Wars, you have the entire cast of Rogue One, essentially. Right. Like they right. just came out with the the Riz Ahmed figure finally, so you can complete the team. Nice. Of course, you have Rose. Yeah. You have uh, Sabine yeah. Wren from from Rebels. Now Boba yeah. Fett and Fennec Shan, Ming-Na Wen has a figure coming out. Yeah. So you, that that takes care of Star Wars. G.I. Yeah. Joe, as we said, you have you have Storm Shadow. If you get the movie figures, you have Henry Golding, Marvel, Shang-Chi, the movie itself, Eternals, just inundated with, with more figures. And then just comics figures, you have Ms. Marvel. And, and yeah. it's, it's just like, it's a different idea than it was 20 years. I mean, 
I, you couldn't even think about collecting your friend as well. Like collecting characters of color now is is just it's a different world that we're growing up in. And yeah. with, when it comes well, even, to toy collecting, even in the eighties and nineties, if you were just wanting to collect African American action figures, like what do you have? You got Lando, you got Roadblock, you got Stalker. You know, I, and actually, if you take Mr. G. T. I. out. Yeah, you take G.I. Joe out and you have very little. Like, G.I. Joe was doing a pretty good job, you know, for what it's worth in terms of, like, diversity. Yeah, absolutely. Even if their Native American character had to have a headband and walk around with an equal. <laughs> sure, right. But, you know, the new spirit is, is a dope figure. I don't know if you saw that the, there's a nude spirit figure for G.I. Joe that he comes yeah. with, the, the eagle comes with, like, detachable wings. It's amazing, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, to your point about G.I. Joe, they, they did, like... That's the thing, like maybe visually they were very tropey, but if you read the file card, if you read the, the comic book, right, like they were, it was almost like a Trojan horse, right? Like, let's put the stereotype, like the ninja, the shirtless kung fu guy, the Native American, you know, tracker, but let's give them real personality and interiority when you read their stories. And I think that's what was so appealing of, of G. We keep coming back to G.I. Joe, but it, it really is a foundation. I mean, it's, and it's also, right, like the military industrial complex, <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the same time, it, you know, it was the most diverse comic book toy line that existed in the 80s. Like, literally, yeah. diver- like, you had black characters. You had women characters. Scarlet was not just the damsel in distress. She was the yeah. badass. Yeah, Lady J and Baroness. Yeah. yeah. All those folks. Uh, I'll show you the two sort of my um, my white whales that I finally have gotten. And I've slowed way down on my Marvel Legends collecting after I found these two. One is Silk. Oh, wow. Yeah, she is hard to find. Korean American, uh, you know, Spider-Man character. Very hard to find. Every time I see Spider-Woman, I, I think it's Silk. And, it's <laughs> and then the ultimate. Oh, you got a Jubilee. I got a Jubilee. Yeah. Nice. I was super, super excited. Unfortunately, my, my daughter is into all the Marvel and Star Wars stuff, but she doesn't cosplay like she did when she was little. But sure. this would would have been perfect. such a perfect and also just like an easy cosplay for uh, like an Asian American girl. Yeah, just a yellow raincoat and yeah. some bubble gum and you're yeah, good. Not, not too much to it. Yeah. Well, and you know, again, speaking of like the live action interpretations, you know, they did come out with a LOD Young Electra figure mm. and then Jessica Henwick is Colleen Wing too, so that uh-huh. as as shitty as Iron Fist was as a show. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you don't need me to kind of like fill you in on what Asian American action figures to get, but they, there is there is a lot out there, and now that the book of Boba Fett is out, and there's there are toys for that. You you can double, you can just multiply your number of uh, AAPI figures by uh, including those too. Have you been watching uh, Boba Fett? I have. I'm you know I'm I'm excited I'm I'm excited that it's a Star Wars property led by two Asian American Pacific Islander mm-hmm. actors. I wish I I wish the show was a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, but- it's like it's not as good as the Mandal like the Mandalorian set the bar really high. Yeah. And second one, I think, was the best. And the second half of the second episode was the best, mm-hmm. right? Where the, the whole, like, Tuscans giving Tusk talking about interiority and humanity, like, injecting that stereotypical, you know, savage race with, like, real kind of personality. That yeah. was great. The the stuff happening in, the, like, the present tense, I'm not really well, feeling. Well, first of all, they need to get rid of the uh, Gen Z Power Rangers because that's <laughs> Those candy scooters and those like those those kids are way too clean. They look like trust fund babies. Like get the fuck out of here. That's like, true, right? Like one of the things that I think Mandalorian gets right about this particular time period in the Star Wars universe, right, is that it's grimy. Yeah, it's 
dirty especially on these like frontier type towns in tatooine right you're in tatooine you should not be driving like yeah chromed out yeah candy colored motorcycles the aesthetic should be deadwood is what it should be everything should be caked in like an inch of mud uh it should be nasty grimy there should be you know, people who look like Al Swearingen, like spitting into the sand. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want. But and I, I don't was... really get Boba's like motivation in the present. Like, why does he want to be a crime boss? Like, the only thing I can think of is he's trying to get revenge for the, the sand people. But even but yeah. then, it's not being built up too well. What do you think of their use of the word daimyo for crime lord? Yeah, I think it's it, to what we were saying earlier. It's very much in the like... <laughs> Let's 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 use actual like Asian terminology for uh, fantastical space opera. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in the same way that anytime you're looking at alien food, there's always dragon fruit on the table. <laughs> exactly. Whether it's Thanos or whether it's you know, you know the the casino or whatever. I mean, here. it's almost like well, they get they can get away with it because again, this is the show with the two AAPI. <laughs> folks so like let the, let them they can appropriate as much as they want because at the very least they're the they're the stars of the show i guess i don't know i mean it's 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 fine like i love boba fett like everyone else who came up in the 80s and, and it's awesome to see tamir Moore. i mean i think that's the other thing like i love tamir morrison and i'm so happy that he's like being given an opportunity to shine because like he's barely used in the in the prequels but I kind of wish he came back. I don't know if you're a big Clone Wars fan. I wish he came back more as Captain Rex, who was this former clone trooper who be, who didn't, you know, turn on the Jedi. And because Captain Rex in this time period is a much older character, whereas Boba Fett shouldn't be that old. I know he spent a couple years in the Sarlacc. And, Listen, and, and we've seen is, how the Tatooine son ages uh, Ewan McGregor yeah. into Alec Guinness. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's road hard and put up wet. I think he's a... He's just a gnarly looking like 40. <laughs> I will say that the, the second half of the second episode and the whole sort of backstory arc with the Tuscans, I when it started, I was a little worried, like, are we going to do dances with wolves here? Like, is this going to be like the outsider, you know, the civilized outsider sure. into noble savages? And I thought they handled it really, really well. His sort of integration into that tribe. And, and I think and, partly because of Tamira's own indigenous background, right? Like, yeah. I think, yeah, if that was, even if that was Din Djarin, if that was Pedro Pascal and not Tamir Morrison, I think it would feel more Kevin Costner, Last yeah. Samurai, kind of like the one, the white savior, yeah. noble savage thing, right? But I think Tamir Morrison lends a sense of authenticity. Like, he's a fellow traveler. He's a fellow indigenous person like i think that's what he was imbuing those scenes with so it didn't feel like you know if, this, if that was a luke skywalker or han solo it would, it would come off a lot worse right. than it does with like because it's almost like tamir morrison saying this is the story i want to tell as an indigenous person well what what clinched it for me is at the end of episode two when they were dancing around the fire that was basically a model yeah and that actually got me really emotional. Yeah, just, absolutely. Like, like, that really like cemented and it kind of brought in the real world into the fantasy world in a way that just really, really worked for me. So I was I was impressed with that. I, well, you know, I was going to say, too, if you broaden your category, if you if you adopt the Asian American Pacific Islander political census category, you could also include uh, Aquaman and Moana. Boba Fett and Moana and The Rock. 
You could you yeah. could really expand your AAPI action figure collection. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. So let's let's talk a little bit about you. You mentioned white whales, the Jubilee and Silk being being two of them. Are there you know? And this goes back to like when you were a kid to now. And I know that you you're not like the typical kind of like you know mint in box or you know I I want to get the play set because of whatever. But is there now that you've got Silk and and Jubilee? What are the other like holy grails in your in your quest for toy collection here's the thing there are plenty of things that i could get if i were willing to part with the money (laughs) there you go yeah there are a couple of bruce lee funkos that are way 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 out of print that are in the three figures and i just oh wow i just can't justify it as much as i love bruce lee and that would be the kind of figure if i did find a bruce lee funko i would probably want that in a box and that would probably go on a shelf i have over there a shelf of just some random Bruce Lee action figures from over the years, like that property has just kind of kicked around. Mm -hmm. Funny when I come across some of these figures, it'll look like something from the seventies and I'll turn it to the back and it says 1996. I'm like, made this like, like somebody had a leftover mold and they just made a Bruce Lee. So for me, I just kind of, it was a funny story. I was, I can't remember where I was in like Indianapolis with Columbus somewhere and I was in a toy store. And I found two action figures. One was a Jackie Chan uh, drunken master, which was great. And then the other one was like a super old school Bruce Lee, like with cloth clothes. You know what I mean? Like the 12 inch, like old school with like the fuzzy hair. And I brought it up to the counter and the guy rang it up and he said $215. And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, yeah, $215. And I was like, oh, let me see the box. I thought the Bruce Lee was 20 bucks. <laughs> I misread the, the decimal point. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I can't do it. Like I cannot justify it. Now, if I asked my wife, if I said, hey, what do you think of this? Because we try to, you know, we share accounts. So we try to run bigger purchases at, around each other. She would totally be like, yeah, it's great. I know you love Bruce Lee. Get it. And I just can't justify it. It's like to me, $200 is like, nine other figures you know? <laughs> so you're not you would never get into the hot toys of it all right because that's a whole other yeah. i mean i have a couple and and even then it's like you know it, it, it i don't and i've asked like hot toys collectors how do you do like you've i'm sure you've seen the hot toys collectors that have like 40 50 hot like you have 50 marvel legends they got 50 hot toys and it's like what do you you don't even like do anything for a living that would allow for you to have that many yeah. $300 action figures, dude. <laughs> like you're, you work in an office. Like, how are you affording? I can't justify it. I think the most I've ever paid for a Marvel Legends is like 45. Yeah. That might've been either the Jubilee or the Silk. And that to me was like even pushing it. Like if it pushed past 50, I wouldn't have gotten it either. <laughs> so, but so the, the vintage 12 inch Bruce Lee, that's your, that's your white whale. That's if that. Yeah. Comes not, by. Not- not that one specifically, but honestly, just anything Bruce Lee, because there have been so many just random property, because there's never been like a full, like, dedicated line or a company or a branding for him. So some of this stuff is like, I don't even know, like how they license this stuff. I don't know how much of it is. Well, like- I think his, his daughter, like his daughter runs the Bruce Lee Empire, right? And and yeah. they, they do, to your point, license out to like, Various various like toy lines over the years have done their Bruce's. Like I have a I have the SH Figure Arts Bruce Lee figure from a couple years ago. Never nice. taken it out of the box. This is the Enter the Dragon one. They also had the Game of Death one in the yellow tracksuit. Yeah. This is really dope. And 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 like you said, they, they various lines have had various versions of Bruce Lee to Yeah. 
I so picked I, up I, a little I, tiny one in a in a Chinatown somewhere. Oh, little, and the, if you go to Chinatown, you can find all kinds of Bruce Lee's. You know what I mean? But but this is an officially licensed one from a figure arts. You can tell when it has the uh, Bruce Lee logo. Uh, That's nice. the Shannon yeah. Lee's, you know, yeah. empire there. But yeah, Bruce. I, I wish I wish I knew. I had for the longest time this little bear brick. Do you remember those? They're like they're like almost like little come as lego minifigure size but it's like a street art kind of figure they're all like various bears that are painted yeah. in different yeah. variations i had a i had an enter the dragon one for a long time and i had recently wow. got rid of it wow. um but i, I could have okay. just sent that your way if i knew you were collecting various kinds of bruce lee stuff it's always funny when they do figures of like real people which i guess is most of the time but like when it's like a real human person it's always really interesting to see how like how well or how badly they get the face yeah <laughs> Well, that's what it's gotten so much. I had that. I used to have that figure you're holding right now. This is what year is this? Let me. That's from the 90s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that face isn't bad. It's got him like kind of biting his lower lip like he's about to smash your face. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got the nunchucks and he's got the bow staff. So that one's not too bad and it's not super, super articulated, but I'm also keeping that one in the box. This one, on the other hand, (laughs) let's see. If you can see that that face. That's not, not bad. Not bad for like a Mego type figure. Yeah. He really needs more volume in his hair, though. Like, you can, like, like, True. like when you look at the photo next to oh, yeah. the. Uh, I mean, the photo, he's got the whole like Lego Lego hair on. But that's a I think that's a recent one, right? When Mego came back. And yeah, uh, 2018. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing those in the stores. Yeah. They're, so. trying, they're trying to capture that the old school Mego look, but. Play. And I don't really go for a lot of these sort of like, I don't know, it's kind of mashup things. So the whole Masters of the WW, have you seen these? Yeah, but Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, you got to have. Yeah, that one's pretty dope. So and that one, again, I'm just keeping it in the box. Were you a big wrestling guy growing up? I was. Yeah. In the mid 80s, I was like probably WrestleMania, like two or three to like eight or ten, give or take. I was the big boss man, Andre the Giant, Macho Man Savage, Ultimate Warrior, like that whole phase. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, Dan, thank you so much for... Oh, you got some more? Here, here we go. One more. This is the this is the Jackie. Oh, that's so, not bad. The face is great because he looks nice and drunk. It's from uh, Drunken Master. Uh, I took it out one time, did a pose with it, and then put it back. But it's actually very... It's a 12-inch but it's super articulated and it's got like cloth clothing. It's great. Yeah. And my dad actually, I bought from my dad a long time ago. Maybe the same company, uh, Tony Leung figure. I mean, I had Tony Leung toys before Shang-Chi. So like uh, catch uh, up yeah. Hasbro, but it was a Tony <laughs> Leung in a, in a police uniform. Cause yeah. my dad was a cop in Hong Kong. So, but it was, it was Tony Leung. I forget which movie it's from, but it was, looked very similar. The, the, the company that made that Jackie Chan. So, yeah, did you ever get your dad a super cop action figure or anything? <laughs> no, <laughs> just got got him a, a. He's got like three like Hong Kong police figures in his yeah. uh, in his collection. They nice. all look like Tony. Well, Tony Leung and Andy Lau, like various. I don't know if they're officially licensed likenesses, <laughs> but just, just just handsome Asian men. That's handsome all. Asian men that just happen yeah. to look like uh, Hong Kong idols from the nineties. Well, Dan, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk with us here on Shelf Conscious. I I truly appreciate it. For folks who want to learn more about you and your campaign for city council in Lexington, how can they find you on the internet? For me personally, and the best place to end up seeing some of my toys will be Instagram, Atomic Ramen, all one word. For my political campaign, it's Dan Wu for Lex. 
And then for this other project that I've done in Lexington, it's a poster and banner project called Immigrants and Refugees Belong Here. It's a Belong Lex, and all of that is on Instagram. All right, Dan Wu, thank you so much for joining us here on Shelf Conscious. Good luck to you in this campaign year, and uh, vote Dan for city council. And until next time, thank you for joining us on Shelf Conscious. Thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at the real chow, the underscore real underscore chow, and follow the podcast at shelfconnoc. Our theme song is recorded by the one and only Jamie Noguchi. Also go to hardknockmedia.com to find this and all of the podcasts in the Hard Knock family. Subscribe on youtube.com slash the nerds of color for the video and Apple Podcasts for the podcast. Give us a rating and review if you do. Appreciate all the support. And always remember, Shelf Conscious is where we come collect.